Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Good evening, everyone. I would say Merry Christmas, but that's not really the point of this particular show. Um, <laughs> v Radio Christmas specials are basically just kind of about talking about the hypocrisy of a given holiday or the consumerist nature that most people don't really consider. Um, I was first inspired to do these episodes by looking at an internet meme that said, Define Necessity. And it had a Christmas tree with a bunch of presents under it uh, in one side of the picture and then a child starving to death in Africa on the other side of the picture. Those of you who listened to my previous broadcasts on Christmas will probably remember them. Um, Tonight I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that have been coming up recently that I've noticed a trend and in regards to the way that employers are reacting and that there is definitely an organized effort on the point of on the part of employers uh, to react to a few things most of this is only in the United States uh, so I you know beg the pardon of my European fans but uh, I'm gonna be dis- I have imagined that something similar to this will probably be happening worldwide and it does kind of illustrate that in fact the rich do get together and make plans on how they're going to settle things. And the one thing I should say is is where I currently work, they have Fox News on all the time, which obviously Fox News is generally full of crap. But what I kind of found that I could do is that I can analyze the crap to kind of get an idea for, you know, what I think anyway the overall objectives are. You know, if you follow the things that they want you to believe, it gives you the opportunity to kind of get an idea as to what their strategy is. And one of the things that Fox News has done ever since the last election is they just never endingly talk about Obama. Like, they just can't stop. It's it's like they just, if there was a cable network listed the We Hate Obama network, then that's pretty much what it would be about. And I'm not an Obama supporter obviously, but the the point is, though, is that it's just a never-ending assault. And the other thing that they can't stop talking about is Obamacare. Um, I kind of encountered this situation firsthand because uh, I noticed some changes in the place where I work, and I work in a low-wage job in a fast-food restaurant. So um, it was pretty much all I could find that was flexible enough for me to deal with my kids, as well as you know being able to be home with them myself and and also just like literally one of the only jobs in the area. Michigan's pretty terrible about this, as I've said in the past. But um, the owner of the store comes in fairly frequently, and uh, we used to talk. Uh, you know, he was much more friendly and open. And I remember he came in once for a uh, manager meeting and uh, was not unfriendly necessarily, but he wouldn't look me in the eye and... Uh, after that meeting, some of the managers looked a little upset. And this was also, I might add, like kind of right before Christmas, like as in the beginning of December. And uh, one of the things that happened in the beginning of December that I noticed right away was that my hours, which were already part-time, were clipped really small, like sometimes as low as 12 to 17, maybe as much as 20 hours a week. And that means you're getting paychecks that might be anywhere from 80 to to 
which is not enough to live on by any stretch of the imagination. And the thing that kept rolling through my head when all of this was going on was like, you know, the propaganda that I keep hearing is that supposedly people don't want to work. Um, what they told people was, well, you know, uh, open your availability 100% and you might get more hours. And, um, you know, you can post that you're willing to take other people's shifts on the door, you know, on the, I'm sorry, not on the door, on the, uh, the wall where we put the schedules and maybe, you know, some people want to give up their hours. Um, the response to that was that the, the poster board ended up literally covered in notes, probably about six or seven notes from different people saying, I will cover any shift. Like, that's how desperate people were. And I didn't go that far. I just kind of, well, other than the fact that I started doing V Radio again to help compensate for the differences, and um, the donations are halfway there. I don't know if I'll make my goal by the end of the month or not, but it was mostly just to kind of help curb the lost income when they unexpectedly, you know, lowered my hours. But fortunately enough, um, my store manager is not heartless. She recognizes that I don't just, like many other people, you know, work at that restaurant to pay for Xbox games or whatever. And she did give me kind of special permission to violate company policy and look for another job um, so that I could have two at the same time. And the reason this is a violation is generally they don't want you to... um, have two jobs in the same type, and one of the only things I might have been able to find would be yet another fast food restaurant job. Um, But that's kind of difficult, too, because they want you to all have open availability. Now, when you go to these other places, they tell you that, and one of the things that came up, this is another thing I should probably probably rewind a little bit. One of my other managers is much more uh, close to me, as in, like, we hang out outside of work, and he told me that Uh, it was now because of Obamacare that there was going to be kind of an industry-wide lowering of everyone's hours. As in, it wasn't just going to be for just the holidays. You know, it was going to stay that way pretty much forever and that all the low-retail, like low-wage-paying retail jobs were going to do the same thing. Um, And I discovered that this was definitely the case because... For example, when I went to a local Kroger, um, they said, yeah, like, you know, actually, um, I started to learn this because one of my friends uh, has a girlfriend who also works at Kroger, and she came to also work at McDonald's. It didn't end up working out because Kroger wanted her to have a more open schedule. But they told me, you know, she told me that, yeah, they'd cut everybody's hours down to like 20 or less. Um, and that was to avoid Obamacare. So basically, it wasn't just going to be this one thing I heard at my workplace. I went to the restaurant next door, and I talked to the store manager there, and they said, yeah, they're also cutting hours. They're going to be giving everybody really small shifts. And the funny thing about how this all works out is the way that they, you can tell that the managers get uncomfortable with it, especially if you're friendly with them, but they literally just kind of tell you to lie. Like, they they tell the managers to lie to you. Um, one of the things that they said, for example, you know, was that, well, we have to stretch all the hours out to make sure everybody has hours, et cetera, et cetera. The thing is, is that at the same time that they gave this mandate that they were going to lower everybody's hours, they also gave a mandate that they were going to hire 30 people. <laughs> so um, if, uh, if you think that, you know, basically, you know, so in other words, obviously, yes, they were going to have to stretch out the hours to a, a bajillion people, 
you know, because they hired a bunch of extra people. So in other words, I don't think that um, one of those was the solution to the other. I think that they were both part of a larger plan. And one of the things uh, that I confirmed by talking around to different places was that, yeah, that was pretty much going to be the way things were from now on, that that's how low-wage, uh, low-income companies were going to handle Obamacare. Uh, and so when I had kind of investigated this firsthand, like, you know, normally the news doesn't, like, happen right there in my immediate community. It's one of the reasons I moved to a small town. Um, I talked about it a little bit on Facebook, and some people had asked me for links about it, and I did manage to come across one, um, ironically put out by Fox Business, but of course, you know, Fox Business is always willing to jump on anything that's related to Obamacare, but um, the article was entitled, With Eye on Obamacare, Companies Move to Cut Workers' Hours. The list of companies moving to cut hours for part-time workers continues to grow as employers look to keep staffers below the 30-hour threshold set by the Affordable Care Act. The Obama administration announced in July that it would delay the so-called employer mandate until 2015. Obamacare requires that companies with 50 or more employees provide health insurance benefits to every full-time worker considered to be anyone who logs an average of 30 or more hours a week. Employers will be hit with a penalty for each full-time employee who isn't covered and instead purchases insurance through a federally subsidized exchange. Although the administration delayed implementing the rule until 2015, the penalties for that year will be based on staffing levels recorded in the second half of 2014 at the latest. As a result, several large companies and a long list of smaller businesses have changed their policies to cap weekly hours at 29. According to, the, to an April survey conducted by the Society for Human Resource Management, 41% of 603 small businesses, uh, business owners said they have delayed hiring because of the federal health care law. One in five um, already cut hours, while 20% have reduced payroll. Mercer, a human resources consulting company, said its own survey found that 12% of all U.S. employees I'm sorry, of all U.S. employers, reported plans to reduce workers' hours as a direct result of the Affordable Care Act. The impact was more pronounced in the retail and hospitality industries, with 20% of employers saying they will cut part-time hours. Most recently, theme park operator SeaWorld Entertainment revealed that it reduced its cap on weekly hours for part-timers to 28 from 32. The company does plan to add full-time hourly positions next year across its 11 parks, it said in a statement. Those full-time jobs will include health care benefits. The move is intended to bring consistency to the part-time designation across the SeaWorld park system, SeaWorld said. A company spokesperson didn't comment beyond the statement when asked if the move was also intended to prevent part-time or seasonal employees from being classified as full-time under Obamacare. On Wednesday, the Huffington Post website reported that Trader Joe's, which currently provides health care benefits for its part-time workers, sent out a memo to the staff detailing the company's plans to roll back the policy for employees who work less than 30 hours a week. The California-based grocery chain determined that providing coverage for part-timers who log 18 hours or more will not be worth the cost under Obamacare, since low-wage workers will be eligible for tax subsidies to buy insurance next year. Also, according to the memo, Trader Joe's will cut a check for $500 in January to help cover the cost of insurance purchased on the subsidized exchanges. The spokesperson for Trader Joe's didn't respond to requests for comment. Walmart stores made headlines early in the summer when a Reuters survey revealed 
the world's largest retailer, was only hiring temporary employees in many of its stores, something it would normally do just during the holiday season. Walmart said less than 10% of its workforce is temporary compared to between 1% and 2% before this year. Chief Executive Bill Simon told a group of of reporters in June that workers' hours flex by the needs of the businesses from time to time. Uh, Battling Obamacare. Other companies have been more forthcoming, whether in public comments or internal directives, when it comes to Obamacare's influence on the decision to reduce hours. Apparel maker Land's End has also turned to cutting hours to no more than 29 a week. Uh, WKOW in Madison, Wisconsin, reported on a staff memo that notified employees of the change. In the memo, Land's End told its workers, for some of you working less hours may be what you wanted. For others, these new government guidelines may be very difficult. These guidelines apply to all companies in the U.S. unless they have less than 50 employees or are non-profit. Land's End spokeswoman Michelle Casper told folks, Fox Business, the company doesn't comment on internal employee practices. We plan to continue to employ part-time workers to, to best match our workforce or our workload, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Regal Entertainment uh, sent out a similar internal memo, according to a report from Fox News. The nation's largest movie theater chain, which operates more than 500 theaters in 38 states, blamed Obamacare requirements for capping hours below the 30-hour threshold. To comply with the Affordable Care Act, Regal had to increase our health care budget to cover those newly deemed eligible based on the law's definition of a full-time employee, the company said in its memo, to manage this budget, all the employees will be scheduled in accord with business needs and in a manner that will not negatively impact our health care budget. Regal Entertainment didn't respond to a request for comment from Fox Business. New England Motor Freight, a New Jersey-based trucking company, implemented in June an hourly cap for about 400 part-time employees, saying the company cannot afford to offer them health benefits. Ripple effect, Texas Senator Ted Cruz, a Republican, has been one of Washington's sharpest critics of the Affordable Care Act. He recently remarked that the string of companies cutting hours is evidence of Obamacare's negative impact on workers. He also highlighted congressional testimony from Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke, who told lawmakers that employers are hiring part-time workers to avoid the employer mandate. This is one instance where Bernanke is right, Cruz said. Um... There's actually a lot more information on here, but um, let me go ahead and kind of skip through some of this stuff. Um, Here we go. The private sector isn't alone in cutting hours for part-time employees, with more than 200 public sector employees reducing hours to avoid Obamacare penalties, according to a list compiled by Investors Business Daily. In fact, the effect of Obamacare thus far appears to be more pronounced in the public sector. Many U.S. towns and counties have joined in and cut part-time hours, and the business newspaper tallied 34 universities and colleges, including college systems, that are doing the same for part-time or adjunct faculty. There have also been signals that the law's impact stretches beyond headcount. At a Heritage Foundation seminar in March, Five Guys Burgers and Fries franchise, Mick Rufer, a former Marriott International executive who owns eight of the restaurants in North Carolina, warned that consumers will pay a higher price in the long run. Any added costs are going to have to be passed on because we can't, you know, in any way compromise our koosh lifestyles. Um, So, basically, uh, after reading all of that, that kind of confirmed what I had already discovered on my own. And one of the things that I noticed that was a little different was that, you know, they're saying they're not, you know, hiring as many people. But, you know, in my instance, I'm finding that people are actually hiring more, but they're hiring more people to work less hours. And the end result of that is that, Basically, um, 
it, it occurred to me it has multiple functions. This is when I kind of went into my mode of, of analyzing things. I actually wrote notes while I was sitting on break at work about this. Okay, let me read this here. Hours reduced to less than 20, sometimes as low as 12. Hire as many people as you can to ensure unionization is unlikely. Make workers as disposable as possible. Demand open availability makes two jobs impossible. As the economy is destroyed, the transition to a peasant economy becomes easier. The more desperate the workers, the easier it is to control them. It's voluntary, my ass. Lower the amount of people on the floor in a given store. Depend on people being desperate enough to work twice and three times as hard. Run propaganda to convince everyone that it's the fault of the minimum wage, unions, and basic humanitarian standards enforced in the workplace that are pushing them into poverty. Continue to squeeze the economy and point the finger at liberals. The hope is to eventually convert the grassroots of the low-income activists to free market ideology. Because the only thing it can, that can compete with offshore slave outsourcing is local sweatshops. Make them legal. Convince people sweatshops are voluntary, and therefore moral. Set the low-wage earners against each other. That was another point I definitely wanted to address during this broadcast. Um, make the... Um, I'm sorry, make the fast food earners fight the soldiers, the police, and EMTs. Small businesses will... Okay, well, let me, let me stop at this point because I really want to get into this because I actually lost some, like, real-life friends over this. You definitely notice the difference when it comes to the attitudes, like, that politics are giving on people when you're watching not really... Like, if you guys might remember, I have a, um, an activist Facebook and I have a non-activist Facebook. I had to change the names to being the same because Facebook wants you to have super real names on everything now. But um, on my non-activist Facebook, more and more memes are going up as the economy crashes, as people start to really think and you know, look for people to blame. And I got into this argument with this girl who used to be a really good friend of mine. She went to a six-month course on, to become an EMT. And she kept posting all of this stuff you know, attacking fast food workers who are currently organizing strikes and such and talking about forming unions because they want to get paid $15 an hour. Now, I don't even personally think that $15 an hour is reasonable for working in fast food. Um, $10 an hour would probably be a lot better, um, you know, much more reasonable. But, you know, she said that's what EMTs make now. You know, everybody should just go and get an education and then they can get a job. You know, like she had gotten education by going to a six-month tech course. And as an EMT, she's only getting paid $10 an hour. So therefore, fast food workers cannot get 15 See, basically, the argument gets turned into something where essentially um, Rex, so to speak, if you remember capitalism and other kids stuff. And I actually had somebody isolate just the clip about the Rex kindergarten game um, where, you know, kind of giving the idea of what it's like when, you know, rich, uh, wealthy types, you know, want to divide everybody, you know, is to get us fighting each other over the low wages. I don't think EMTs make enough money. I don't think police make enough money. I don't think firemen make enough money. And I don't think soldiers make enough money for what they contribute to society. Obviously still being anti-war, even if we just lived in an ideal world where soldiers were only, you know, there to, you know, be part of a self-defense system, you know, until we transition out of the need for such things, soldiers definitely don't get paid enough money. Um, and what I was telling her was like, I was like, look, you know, I understand that you're not getting paid enough money. Most of these people who are saying this, though, 
would never say to you, well, I deserve more money than an EMT, or I deserve more money than a, f- a policeman or a fireman or a soldier. None of those people are saying that. You know, in most cases, most people, for example, don't know how much an EMT gets paid or a soldier or a fireman or a policeman gets paid. And they don't, they're not aware of the fact that these people don't get paid much money. And the funny thing is, is that beyond that, though, like if you talk to fast food workers who are involved in all of these strikes, you know, none of them would say, well, I deserve to get paid more than a soldier. That's all bullshit. But it ends up on memes. Like I remember one meme on Facebook where it said, you know, um, gets paid less than minimum wage but you want $15 an hour for slapping a burger on a bun, you know, which, once again, sets people against each other. It appeals to emotion you know, to say, well, you're saying that you deserve more money than soldiers. No, soldiers deserve more money than fast food workers. No question about it. Firemen, policemen, and even EMTs with their little six-month education course deserve more money than fast food workers. That doesn't suddenly mean that fast food workers are therefore making enough money. You know, you can't basically set it to the lowest common denominator. It can't be a situation where um, just because these people are not getting paid enough, you should therefore get paid even more not enough. (laughs) So um, that's the point I was trying to get at with her, and then it just became about, you know, the, the conversation gets warped into saying, oh, you know, well, then you're just saying you don't appreciate EMTs and, and you don't appreciate the work that they do or the, the, the dangers that they go through, you know, to make people safe and all that. I'm like, no, that's not what I said at all. And that's another one of the reasons why these conversations definitely benefit the elite in getting us to fight each other because of the fact that now, rather than taking a look at the fact that there are people on top who don't want anybody paid enough, um, we're now looking at each other and fighting each other and blaming each other. Um, and it doesn't really make, you know, I did kind of turn, you know, turn the conversation around and I did notice an effect um, because of that, which was that um, I said, no, the people who should be getting paid less are Congress, the Senate, the president, politicians in general. That's who should be making less, Okay. Um, and that actually rung well and people started to get it even my more conservative friends agreed with that Um, but I I definitely noticed right away that it seemed to me to be a very socially engineered thing to get, you know, to make fun of fast food workers for wanting more money and more to the point, you know, all low wage workers for wanting more money and then comparing them to people who are also not making enough money as if that was somehow going to be the end all be all of the conversation you know, you shouldn't make enough because these people don't make enough. You know, um, and it shouldn't be that way. What should happen is the low-wage workers should be making a decent wage, and the the wage earners over them should be making even more than them. That that's the proper solution, at least in this broken economy. And it's all band-aid fixes. Obviously, I prefer a resource-based economy, but it's going to be a long time before we can get there. So as a result. You know, I keep coming back to this issue that it seemed to me that I noticed that most people were not paying attention to the fact that, you know, the people that are getting paid way more money for the things that they're doing than, than, you know, than that should be, you know, are laughing at us while we all fight over the scraps that they've thrown from the table to us peasants. So think about that when you see people, you know, uh, complaining about what fast food workers want, 
You know, because like when I was working fast food as a bachelor, I made enough money. This was many years ago. I made enough money to live an okay lifestyle. I mean, it wasn't glorious, but I could still afford to be okay. Now, as the economy crashes and people get more and more desperate, you know, then they start to fight. You know, that there's that's definitely something that I also wanted to talk about on this on this uh, broadcast was the fact that um, your personalities change. People start to get really mean to each other. And that's another thing that happened at work was that after this mandate for, you know, lowering everybody's hours went out, one of the things they said is your hours will depend on your attitude and your productivity. So what ended up happening at work is that people start playing the blame game because they don't want to ever be, held, you know, like, you know, at fault for anything that might go wrong at work. And even more to the point, I've seen them go so far as to try to set people up to get them in trouble and to get them yelled at. You know, and it makes it even worse when you're dealing with customers and who in many cases will literally lie to a manager's face because they want you to be in trouble so that they can get free food. You know, these are all things you become very acutely aware of when you're barely making enough money, you know, before they cut everybody's hours and now you're not making enough, you know. Um, but, yeah, people would start doing things like, you know, blaming stuff on people, you know, to make sure that they got in trouble for it because they want that person's hours, you know, and all the while, the preferred worker in all of this is generally the spoiled teenager, and not all teenagers are spoiled, but I remember this girl who uh, was just complaining the whole time that she was being put on back cash, didn't want to deal with people, didn't want to be working, et cetera, et cetera, yet she always had hours that she wanted. And the reason why is because, you know, somebody like that is, is who these companies would really prefer to employ, because... You know, they don't want anything out of their job. They don't care about the wages that they're getting, and they're not responsible for anyone. Now, one of the reasons why I brought all of this up on the, on the, on the Christmas broadcast is that when, my, when the owner of the store I work at stopped looking me in the eye and started being more distant, and some of the managers did the same thing, and I noticed it wasn't just to me. They were doing it to everybody. It occurred to me that this guy is really wealthy, He's like a millionaire, and he's going to have a really nice Christmas for his kids. You know, they know that some of the people who work there have kids, and they cut everybody's hours literally three to four weeks before Christmas. And this is not the first time this has happened to me. Like, I worked at a Meijer uh, a few months ago, no, I'm sorry, a few years ago, where they cut everybody's hours like 90 days uh, they, they, well, they actually, they fired everyone who was under 90 days. They just let them go. Because under 90 days means that you're um, not making enough money, you know, you didn't work long enough to get unemployment. Um, and it just occurred to me, I, thought, I was thinking to myself, you know, how do you live with yourself when you know that you just ruined Christmas for all of your employees who worked for you under 90 days? And in this instance here, he knew full well the implications of what this would do to everybody who was working for him. He knew full well, you know, of what would happen. And he's got a bunch of kids himself. They're always in the store coming in and getting food and all that, you know, who are going to do better because he did this thing, you know. And that's basically, you know, one of the things I think is the reason why Ayn Rand is so seductive to these people is that, she justifies this. She makes it sound moral. She makes it sound superior, even glorifies it 
that people act in this greedy way and that anybody poorer than them is that way because they choose to be so. They really need to believe that. They need to believe that because it allows them to do things like make decisions that ruin the lives of other people so that they can get just an even higher, bigger piece of the pie. Um, and so my, the realization of all this, especially when you're working for these people, you know, in many cases, you, you even develop a certain degree of company loyalty. As places I've worked at have been, this place has been one of the better ones as far as the management, the way they treat people. I do things like come in on my day off, you know, to help them, you know, if they didn't have enough people, because I cared about them being able to get through the day and, and doing okay at work. And then you start to think, well, maybe I mean something to this company. And then you find out, no, not really, not, at least not to the people who really count. You're just another bean that they're counting. You're just another statistic that they're counting. Um, and that really sucks. And I think it's one of the major reasons why this profit-motivated paradigm that we live in, the idea that anarcho-capitalists in particular bring up that that's going to create a society that adheres to the non-aggression principle and where everybody's going to get along fine, it's just bullshit. It just doesn't make any sense at all. You're, you're basically putting a limited number of resources into a pit with a bunch of starving people and telling them, hey, if you uh, start businesses and stuff, you guys can trade all of those resources until you know, everybody has what they need. And then, not, and then expecting no violence to take place. You know, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And while no violence has taken place at work, the tensions are definitely higher. You know, people's attitudes have definitely changed. There's a way more fighting, way more arguing, way more bickering. You know, and it's because of the fact that people are, realize now that they are now enemies with everyone else working there. You know, um, enemies with everybody there, competing with everybody there. This is what competition brings to the table. It's good for the people on top that we're all competing to be the best possible worker for the lowest possible price, but it's not good for the people working there. Um, and they don't care about that. And, and they're basically kind of raised to think, you know, that th that shouldn't matter to them. You know, and that's uh, the, the grander scheme of all that. I think Peter Joseph covered very well in his most recent economic calculation uh, conversation where he points out what it does to people to be in that situation. Um, and I recognized a serious change to my health, uh, both mentally and physically. Um, even when I have lower hours, my body doesn't do so well because I'm basically kind of crippled with stress all the time. I'm always in a situation where I'm worried about what's going to happen next. And that's not healthy. That's scientifically proven to not be healthy. And they benefit basically by terrorizing us for that. So let, let me get back to my notes here a little bit. Um, convince people... Okay, I already went over that. Um... Small businesses will fail as the economy crashes. Employment to the wealthy will be the only resource, a recourse. Um, and then basically meaning that small businesses, first of all, take the big hit. And small businesses are kind of at the core of the upper middle class. And they don't like small businesses because small businesses infringe on their profits, which is the re one of the reasons why I see... You know, predatory instincts being brought out even in a free market capitalist situation because it's going to be in your best interest to destroy the little guy. You know, it's not in your best interest to let them stay there. 
You know, um, Walmart is a textbook example of that, but it pretty much puts us in a situation where we can't just start our own businesses to avoid being employees. Um, now, uh, this also brings me to the, I wanted to restate this. I found this quote recently that it was, uh, socialism never took root in America because um, uh, everybody it believes that they're all, you know, not an exploited working class, but a temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Basically, they sold us this bullshit American dream that uh, tells us that if we all work really hard, then we too can, you know, own multiple restaurants or stores or whatever and, and, and do just fine. And then they point to the examples of people who did work hard and managed to do that while kind of leaving out the fact that they're a minority, a very tiny minority. You're, the statistics are very comparable. You might as well... Uh, buy a lottery ticket every day because you're about as likely to not be poor when you're finished. Um, you know, my mom, for example, worked two and sometimes three jobs and was still very much poor at the end of her life with nothing to show for it. Now, move on to automate low-wage jobs as much as possible. Increase job demand while decreasing number of jobs. Employers hold all the cards. Offer military service, complete with indoctrination, as an alternative. It's basically the real hunger games. You know, pit young people against each other. Make them fight to the death for low-paying jobs. You know, and the reason, this is another thing that came up when I was taking my notes, because I, I was thinking about the hunger games. The reason that the hunger games won't happen is automation. They won't have any reason to have slave districts. Um, now, a lot of what I'm talking about here is just kind of, you know, theory that I've come up with. You know, I don't go into this suggesting this is absolutely what people are planning. But when you kind of put all of the, the pieces of the conversation together, I keep getting reminded of George Carlin's rant about, you know, um, you know, that people tell you that it's totally unreasonable to think that rich people might together and have a plan, you know, even though that's exactly what they've done throughout history. And I think that, uh, more or less, um, the plan would be to make it so that they can have sweatshop-level labor here in the United States, because that's the only thing that would be cheaper than having it in Bangladesh and China and all these other places. There's a lot of talk now about repealing the minimum wage. They made cuts to food stamps. They're talking about trying to get rid of them altogether. They're basically trying to brainwash everybody into thinking that all of these programs that basically make it so that you can feasibly, you know, have a cushion to fall back on if you do need to find another employer are gone. You know, that was another thing that I came across when, uh, when these hours got cut. I looked into underemployment because it's something you can do, you know, in some states. And I found out that my employer had very deftly ensured that I always was always under the level that I could even claim, uh, you know, unemployment on. As in, I don't make enough money to get underemployment um, and, never, and therefore will never be eligible for it. So in other words, I still don't even qualify for, the, you know, for those. They're very aware of this. And I just, I don't see for the life of me how within a free market system, these people would somehow suddenly be incentivized to make that possible. You know, so basically, though, um, all of this kind of culminated in my head, and you, it's definitely very depressing when you think to yourself, man, you know, uh, 
all of this kind of becomes more clear to you. The consumerist holidays um, basically kind of sociologically force us to feel guilty if we don't buy stuff for our kids um, and for our family members. And basically... You, you couple that, I'm trying to like articulate the best way all the things that I was thinking through all of this. Um, and I look back on it and I realize that these people basically kind of condition themselves so that they can make these kinds of cutthroat decisions and not really care or really ever contemplate or think closely about it. And that brings me back to another thing that comes up frequently in ANCAP circles is that people are conditioned to believe that they should only be individuals and should never work together. That any kind of working together is collectivism. And when you tend to discuss with these people, okay, well, what's wrong with voluntary collectivism? They avoid the topic. They don't want to talk about that. All collectivism is just bad. Everybody should just be a rampant individual. And I keep coming back to that clip from the movie Ants, when the grasshopper informs them all, we can't just let ants stand up to us. You know, we got to deal with this because, you know, just one ant stood, stood up to me and then they might all figure out that they can stand up to us. You know, and, and that was this terrifying thing to the way the grasshoppers lived. And if you look at ants, the grasshoppers kind of represented the, the, the minority at the top who were reaping the benefits of everyone else's work. That's another thing that kind of gets turned around is that um, they project the idea that supposedly it's the people on welfare that are the ones that want to sit around and not work. I haven't met any of those people, and I've been poor my whole life. There are very few welfare queens that I've ever encountered. Um, when the reality is the people who are sitting on their asses collecting the benefits of other people's work are the ones who just happen to own companies that own the means of production. Those are the people that are sitting on their asses on, you know, extended paid vacations or whatever, you know, in really nice houses and all of that, generally, you know, having way more time with their families, et cetera, et cetera, because there are other people who are not fortunate enough to be in that position who are doing all the work for them. And my solution is not socialism. I don't think that taking away from the rich to give to the poor is the permanent solution. My answer is that the world itself needs to evolve beyond where we're at now. I don't like the way that the behavior of the people that I worked with who are friends of mine changed when suddenly we were all made to compete with each other to just be able to survive. I don't think that that's better for mankind. I, I don't think that that creates an environment of, of higher efficiency. I think it just created an environment of higher conflict. And it all comes back to something Peter Joseph said recently, that you cannot expect you know, a better behavior in a situation where the structure of the system in question does not encourage better behavior. The only people who benefit from us fighting each other over low-wage you know, situations are the people on top. 
those are the only people who benefit from that system. It doesn't benefit the average worker to constantly be fighting other low-wage workers for the scraps thrown from the table. It only benefits the people from the top, on the top. And when all of this gets done just in time for the consumerist holidays that they've brainwashed us into thinking, you know, we should be, you know, buying a bunch of garbage for our, you know, for our families, you know, uh, it just, it, it really brought it all once again into perspective for me as to how little these people really care. So that's all I have for tonight. I hope you've enjoyed this Christmas special. <laughs> um, there will be more V Radio shows coming up. Uh, I've talked once again to Ben Stewart. Uh, he's going to be coming on to talk about his new show. I have also talked to uh, Scott Noble from Cywar, not only about coming on the show, that will be happening sometime this year, but also about uh, helping me in the troll project. It is very possible. I mean, it's still just in preliminary discussion phases, but Scott Noble might actually be helping me make the troll documentary. And for those of you who don't know who Scott Noble is, please check out the film Cywar, P-S-Y-W-A-R. Um, it's a conver- it's a, basically an excellent film about uh, propaganda. He also did a great one about brainwashing tactics and things like that. But if you can, you go to Metanoia Films, Cywar is a must-see. I think it's just as important as any Zeitgeist film. Um, and Scott Noble working on the Troll Project would definitely uh, push it forward a lot further than I had originally intended. Um, in addition to that, uh, I'm going to be, once again, I'm going to be doing the repeated episode with George Donnelly to talk about why violence, uh, violent uprising is definitely the, the last solution as far as to achieving social change. We've been having a great dialogue about that, considering that it's just as important to activists leaning on the right as it is to the left. Um, in addition to that, uh, people have been voting on the issue of Victor Pross. Uh, those of you who don't know who Victor Pross is, he was an anarcho-capitalist who recently had a debate in uh, Zeitgeist Vancouver, I want to say, in Canada. And the guy just kept making a lot of nasty videos about uh, Zeitgeist and the resource-based economy, and most of them were really far-fetched. And um, the whole matter is contained in my most recent blog on the V Radio blog, which you can see by going to v-radio.org and clicking blog. Um, a really bizarre tale of the kind of stuff that people will go through if they feel that they need to argue a point on the Internet um, lots of screenshots that I took of some really crazy Facebook conversations that went on. You know, and fighting with this guy is not really important to me, but, uh, however, using him as a educational tool for just how uh, far people will go to twist the truth or to keep people from thinking uh, was just really valuable. So, um, in any case... I've got to take off. Uh, I was getting phone calls pretty much through the entire show, and I did not, I obviously could not pick up the uh, phone because I was talking to you guys. I hope you enjoyed this Christmas special, and as the quote-unquote holidays unfold, think very heavily about the things that I'm saying. Consider the fact that, uh, you know, especially on the issue of getting people to fight each other over the low-wage positions, speak out about that. Get people thinking about that. Because they really need to be looking at the people on the top rather than looking at fast food workers somehow being the villain in the story for asking just to be able to make enough to survive 
you know, um, and then letting them get into false dichotomies or comparisons that say fast food workers shouldn't get paid more because EMTs or firemen don't. Um, thanks again, everybody. Uh, v Radio is looking for uh, like $100 left on my donation thing that will help me pay the utilities and stuff for the winter. Uh, because of my reduced hours of work, you will see more shows from me. I am once again running into a situation where because of being at work and things going on in my life, it's very hard for me to get the level of inspiration that I used to. So if you have show ideas, please contribute them. Uh, if you have people that you want me to interview, please contribute that information so that I can cater this show to the things that you want to see and hear. Thanks again. <laughs>